And you know, as you look at what's taking place around our world, there's a lot of wickedness. A lot of wickedness, what, what's evil seems good, and, and we're, it's a very confusing time, even for Christians. And we have to be very, very careful. And we're going to look at a portion of Scripture that was kind of the same situation, where evil began to reign. Evil began to reign. In fact, the Christians and the prophets, they were all hiding out because evil was so prevalent. And if you look at California, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm not going to, you know, but you heard a little bit from before. Pastor even was talking about some stuff, and there's a lot of stuff happening. But we've got to be very careful that we don't waver from what God called us to do. Amen? Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 17. This time I'm not using my OS as operating system. I'm using my OS as old school. Amen? Paper. Yeah, I decided to write it out. Okay, verse 17. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And this is the key. But the people said nothing. The people said nothing. Father, I pray for the next few moments, God. Set me aside. Use me as your empty vessel. Speak to our hearts. Open our minds. Let us receive from you tonight. How long would you waver between two opinions? Now, between is in the middle. It's in the middle. Like you're not here and you're not there, but you're like lukewarm. And you're like in neutral. Let's put it that way. And that's where the people were because they said nothing. They said nothing. And there's no power in neutral. There's no power. You know, you've got to be in gear. And that's the title, getting gear. You know, you've got to be in gear if you're going to make something happen in this world. Especially in, in, in the kingdom of God. You, you can't be in neutral because nothing happens in neutral. It's like being in a car with no engine. It's not any good. This reminds me of when I was in Hawaii about 20 years ago. I'd seen some teenagers. They were Samoan, but they were big, big dudes. And I guess one of them got a car that didn't run, so they were taking turns pushing the car, and one guy would steer it. And it, it, just, it just busted me up because they, they're big and strong. So he was going about 10, 15 miles an hour pushing his car around Hawaii. And I, I, I go, well, how come, how come you guys are pushing? He goes, well, because it doesn't run, but we want to drive. <laughs> okay, but there's no power in that. There's no power in neutral. Can I get an amen? In Isaiah 28, verse 6, it says this, He will be a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. 
In Joshua 10, 25, it says this, Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, but be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. See, as a church or the people of God, the body of Christ, if we're in neutral, we're going to be ineffective. If we're in, as a person, if, if we're in neutral, we're going to be ineffective. Are you with me? We'll be powerless, just like that car without an engine. It could only go so much. It was limited to what you could do. And if you don't get in gear and begin to do something for God, if you're wavering between opinions, then you're not going to accomplish anything in the kingdom of God. So it's very, very vital and very important that we take a stand. Are you, are you guys with me tonight? See, a church that doesn't fight or a person that doesn't fight is useless in the kingdom of God. Useless. Because we'll never fight for anything because we stand for everything. So you've got to pick a side. You know, it reminds me of the guy that was sitting on a fence. He was sitting on a fence. He had, he had his rump on one side and his face on the other side. And, you know, what it brought to me is this guy's a mugwump because he won't take a side. He won't take a side. You know, it's very dangerous if you're walking a tightrope and you fall. Have you ever seen those skateboarders? My, my daughter likes these fails, you know. She watches it all the time. And you got these skateboards going down the rail, right? And sometimes they're wavering between the opinions, and they fall, and they hurt themselves. Amen. <laughs> but that's what happens if you don't choose a side. You've got to be very careful. You can't be for without being against. You know, if we say we're for God, we, can't, we have to be against the enemy. We have to be against injustice. We have to be against things that are hurting the people of God. You know, we can't just say, okay, they want to take Bible out of schools, and, and they, they even want to pass a law to burn the Bibles. In California. That's, that's crazy. That's wicked. But where are the Christians? Where are we standing up and saying, no, you can't do that? You know, they're having their little parades all over the place and doing all this crazy stuff. But where are we? We're hiding in the pews. We're wavering. We're in neutral. We're not making an impact. You've got to be for something. You've got to be for something. That means you have to choose. See, you can't worship in spirit and truth if you're living selfishly. If you're just out for your own bones. You've got to be out for other people's bones. You've got to be out, you know, giving your life, saying, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice because I love people. I love God's people. And I'll do whatever it takes to fulfill my destiny. We can't live in a time where, you know what, I, I just got to worry about my job. I got to worry about my household. And that's all I'm going to care about. No, that, you know, that's not, that's wavering. Because we say we believe the Word of God. Well, what does the Word of God tell us? What does it tell us? That people do matter. That people matter. They matter so much to God that He sent His Son to die for us. That's how much it matters to Him. But if we're wavering and not taking the stand, then what are we really doing? What are we really doing? See, you can't have commitment and be unfaithful. It just doesn't work. You can't have passion for purity and live impure. It doesn't work that way. You know, if you're going to be pure before the Holy Spirit, before God, then you've got to live a pure life. Does that mean we're perfect? No, not at all. Everyone here sins. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're all like filthy rags, the Bible says. 
But see, when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us by what we've done. He looks at what his Christ has done. He looks through the blood. So he's looking at us through the blood of Jesus. And we have to understand that people that are out there hurting, man, God's looking at them with compassion. Jesus wept for the people because they had no shepherd. See, we are here and we are called to not waver in between opinions, but shepherd God's people. Are you, are you with me? There's people out there in the streets that are hurting, that are hurting. We see women every day. Thank God we have a women's home. Adopt a bed. Adopt a lady. This is very vital. Man, our city needs to be a city of refuge. When they hear Hayward, they think men's home, women's home. That's what they're going to think. They're going to think a church that cares. They're going to think a church is moving forward. We're out there in the streets helping people. We've got a lot of flyers. Let's go out there and start passing around and bringing some ladies in the house. We've got to expand the men's home. We need more room. Amen? We need a ranch. Start praying for that. God is going to give it. God's going to give it. Why? Because he cares for the men. He cares for the women of our city that are hurting. But if we're wavering and not, not taking a stand, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're his hands and feet. See, the greatest accomplishment of Satan is when the church falls into the sleep of indifference. When we just don't care. We just don't care. We don't care if we see people hurting anymore. We don't care if we see drug addicts anymore. We don't care because our life is so good now. Because Jesus saved us, set us free. I'm clean. Oh, I look good now. Hello. It's not about the best shoes and the best cars and the best motorcycles. It's not about that stuff. It has nothing to do with nothing. See, it's, it's not the devil that defeats us. You know what it is? It's indifference. It's indecision. It's neutrality. Not willing to do anything. Just kind of hanging out, watch everything happen. That's what kills us. Because you stop caring. You stop caring. Think about it, man. When you see a lady on the street, like it's your sister. Start thinking like that because she is. Same with a man. It's your brother. It's the same thing. We're the body of Christ. They just don't know they're our sister and brothers yet. But they're going to find out. As long as we're not indifferent. As long as we do what God called us to do. Are you with me? See, I want to tell you something. Power follows passion. If you don't have passion, you'll never have power. It follows. If there's a true passion in your life, there's commitment. If there's true passion, there's going to be discipline in your life. If there's true passion, there's going to be patience. You're going to be willing to work with people even when it doesn't go your way. That's the hardest part of discipleship, isn't it? Having patience. Well, when you have passion, there's sacrifice. Because then you understand it's not really a sacrifice. It's a calling. It's a lifestyle. Amen? The greatest display ever seen was the passion of Jesus Christ. You know, we all seen the movie. They call it what? The Passion. Because it took passion for him to do that. For you and I. And for them that are still out there. See, even in the world, people will go anywhere, they will do anything for something they're passionate about. How much more are you and I? We should be willing to go wherever God wants to send us. To go to any country, it doesn't matter. So I remember when I said to God, 
Years and years ago, it was like over, like, well, how many years? A lot of time. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> Back in 93, 1993, I remember we were at the World Conference in Pomona, two tents sewn together. And we were late because I was like, just got out of the home, barely. I'm driving the van. I was the only one with a license. We had a little van, no seats, just crates, and we're going up there. They kept breaking down up the grapevine, so everybody left us in the dust. But we made it. We made it. We barely made it. We got dressed in the van, walked into service, and there was worship and praise going on. And I remember that I just said to God, you know what, God? Whatever you want to do with my life, please do it. Wherever you want to send me, I'm willing to go. That's when God spoke to me. He told me, I'm sending you to the Philippines. Well, I could have said, well, I, I don't want to go there. It's hot. There's big cockroaches over there. They fly. Man. And the food is always rice and rice and rice and rice. But, you know, I had to make a decision. I had to make a choice. Am I going to be passionate for souls? See, if you're passionate for souls, you'll do whatever God asks you to do. You'll go anywhere God wants you to go. And it's not a sacrifice. I remember I come back and people, oh, you sacrificed. No, I'm blessed. It wasn't a sacrifice at all. Not at all. Because when you know you're in God's perfect and pleasing will for your life, there is a peace that fills you. That you're so filled with peace, man. You know that you know that you know that God is with you. And if God is with you, who can stand against you? That's the greatest joy of all. Knowing you're in God's perfect will. Amen. Amen? See, people will go anywhere and do anything, even in the world, if they're passionate. They'll go through hardship. They'll go through hardship. They'll suffer criticism and even opposition. They will even sacrifice. And they will even put themselves in difficult training because they're passionate about something. How much more are you and I? How much more are you and I? Don't you think we should be better off? And I shouldn't say better off. But we should even be more willing to do what it takes to get things done. If I need to change some stuff in my life, well, let's change some stuff in my life. If I need training, well, let me get trained. Let me go to Veti. Let me do what I got to do. Let me grow. Let me continue to grow. Because if you stop growing, you know what happens? You're neutral. In fact, worse than you're in reverse, actually. You go to reverse, and that's even worse than neutral. Amen? See, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter. See, there are four things that Elijah took with him on Mount Carmel. And I want to look at these. And I believe these are the ingredients for passion and power. Everybody say passion and power. power. Okay, number one is revelation. Revelation. He had a revelation. See, that means you have to see something that others don't see. We all need a revelation within our lives. We need a vision. Pastor just talked about vision. We have to have a vision. Because if we don't have vision, we're not going to do anything. See, but when you have a vision from God, you're willing to do anything for it. Because you live it. You, you wake up and you're thinking about it. You go to sleep, you're thinking about it. And you're doing it all day long. Why? Because it's a passion. It brings passion. It brings power. You've got to have revelation of what God wants to do in and through your life. Amen? You've got to see the end from the beginning. Now, you might not see the steps you're going to have to take because God doesn't do that all the time. God's a little mysterious sometimes. He wants to see if you're going to be obedient to the first step. Why should I show him the whole thing if he's not going to be obedient to the first step? 
Well, then he's obedient to that. Well, let me show him another step. But you know the end. But you got to still get there. So as you're walking in obedience, all of a sudden the vision becomes a reality within our lives. you got to have a revelation. See, before Elijah went on the mountain, he already envisioned Israel following God. Remember, they were all following those fake prophets. Are you with me? And he already saw that that religion, that false religion, will be overthrown. He already saw it. He knew. He knew. He might not have known every step of the way, but he knew it was going to happen. Because God told him. He had a vision. He saw the altars of Baal torn down and the altars of God in the place. See, there's some curses in our families. Some of our families have a lot of curses. We've got to see that curse demolished. We've got to see them saved. We've got to see them coming to church. We've got to see them moving forward in God. It's very vital and very important. You've got to see it. If you don't see it, you won't have passion to make it happen. It's very, very, you've got to have a revelation. God wants to show you something here tonight. Are you with me? See, he saw the false prophets being slain with the sword. He could see Israel worshiping the true and living God. He could see it before it happened. That's what you have to see. I remember before I went to the Philippines, before I even really knew what a Filipino was. I remember praying at the altar, and I began to see faces. And I'd be crying on my face, and I'd see these faces. And then later on, I would see them in the flesh. I'd go, oh, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. You're coming with me. Because I seen it. I seen it. And that's where we started. We started the first six guys. I already seen them before we got there. And then we pulled them in. And they're still serving God today. Amen? Amen? God knows what he's doing. How about David? He had a revelation. He had a revelation. He could see Goliath lying on the ground headless before he did it. He saw it. Even before he picked up that rock and put it in the sling, before he began to swing that thing, he, he seen the headless, uh, headless Goliath on the ground. He seen the giant already dead. He even told the giant. He even told him. Actually, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 46, he even told the giant, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to take your head. And the birds in the air are going to eat you. He let him have it. Why? Because he saw it. He saw it. We've got to begin to see success. If you don't see success, you're going to be looking to failure. If you don't see success, you're going to look at your circumstance. You're going to begin to look at your mountains all the time. You've got to look over the mountain to the success that God's trying to bring. But you've got to have a revelation. Amen? See, somebody needs a revelation of the plan that God has for your life. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. See, some of you are called in the five-fold ministry to be a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. We'll add six, home director, hallelujah. And so on and so forth, teachers. Because why? It's in you. It's in you. God has given you these gifts and abilities. You don't even know. You haven't tapped in. But some of you, God has spoken to you. But you're saying, no, it couldn't be me. Nah, nah. No way. I'm too shy. That's a lie from the devil. I was the shyest guy in this church. 
I remember Pastor Steve had me do a testimony, and I freaked out. Do you remember how I used to call us just when we were sitting there, and you go, Daryl, stand up and give a testimony. Uh, I love Jesus. Sit down. <laughs> I was freaking. I was freaking out. My first Bible study in the home, they made me do it. I didn't want to do it, but I was head staff. I had to do it. I remember I had my notes. I just looked down. I read it. Amen. Ran away and went and puked because I was afraid. I was afraid to raise my hand in school. I was afraid, just afraid, man. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Then when I got saved, God said, you know what? I have called you to preach the gospel. You've got to get over it. Some of you need to get over your fear because God wants to do something great within your life. Don't let the devil lie to you anymore. Don't let him put you down anymore. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God has called you with a purpose. But you've got to see it. You've got to have a revelation of what God wants to do. Some of you are called to go all over the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you're called to do. Don't let the devil lie. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. Not the labels everybody else put on you. Not all that stuff that people said when you were a kid. You don't listen to that stuff, man. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. How do you do that? Get into the Word. Get into the Word. When you begin to get into the Word, all of a sudden your perspective changes. And you begin to see the way God sees you. And you see yourself the way God sees you. And then you begin to act about how you want to be. I keep telling the guys, man, you want to be a pastor, act like a pastor now. You want to be an act like an evangelist now. Whatever you want to be in life, you act like it now. You act like it now. Don't wait. What are you going to wait for? No, act like it now. Begin to grow into your calling. Amen? It's the same for all of us. So you've got to look past your circumstance. You've got to get a vision of your destiny, where God wants to bring you. How many want passion? You want passion? That was weak. How many really want passion? Then you need to ask God to show you your purpose. It's not a big secret. You know, sometimes we think God doesn't want to speak, or it's real, oh, you've got to do this, and you've got to do all that. No, you just got to ask. God doesn't want to make it difficult. You don't have to jump through hoops with God. He wants to reveal his plan. You know, I was telling the guys this morning, man, you know, it's easy to chase God because he, don't, he wants to get caught. You don't want to run. It's like when you're playing hide-and-seek with a little kid, right? Tag, you're it. You don't go nowhere because they can't find you. You stand right there. And then they go, oh, oh pink. <laughs> right? It's the same way with God. We're his children. We're his children. He, he says, okay, tag, you're it. He stands there. He's just waiting. Come on. You're right. Get over here. Because he wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal himself to you. He doesn't want to make it a big, oh, you got to do all this, you got to do all that, you know. No, just ask him. Tag, you're it. That's it. Ask him. Simple. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to show you your destiny. Some of us, including myself, we have physical issues. But you've got to begin to see yourself healed. 
You've got to see yourself healed. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lay down and not want to get up. You're going to lay down. I'm too hurt to get up. Or you can see yourself healed and begin to get active. Begin to do what you've got to do. Go to the gym with pastor at night. Hallelujah. He got me on Facebook sneakily. I didn't see him do it. But you've got to see yourself healed. You can't, oh, woe is me. I'm in pain. Da-da-da-da. Yada, yada, yada. No. You've got to begin to see yourself healed. You've got to begin to see yourself anointed. That everything you do, you have an anointing upon your life. Everything you touch is anointed. Every time you put your hand to the plow, it's anointed. You've got to begin to see the anointing flowing through your life. You've got to see yourself on fire for God. When you see yourself on fire for God, you're going to be on fire for God. You've got to see yourself pure before God. And then you will walk with purity in your life. That brings me to number two. I've got to move fast. Number two, Elijah had an expectation. He had an expectation. You've got to expect. He expected fire to fall from heaven. See, when, sometimes we don't come expecting. We figure, oh, I'm just going to go do my celestial duty. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to sit right there. I might clap. I might even raise my hands. But, but, God's not going to speak to me. I might even go to the altar, but eh, I don't think nothing's going to happen. Nothing ever happens. Because we're not expecting. We're not expecting. You've got to expect fire to fall on you, man. You've got to expect for God to show up. You've got to expect for God's purpose to be revealed and God's power to be revealed within your life. See, today God wants to raise your level of expectation. When, he, when we do the altar, we're going to do it in just a bit. God wants to do something special at this altar. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart that God wants to do something special. But if you don't expect it, it's another service. Yeah. I'm going to go home and watch uh, whatever you watch at night. I don't know what you watch. I'm going to the gym with pastor. That's all I know. But that's what you'll do. Because you get caught up in the same old, same old. Same old, same old. No, God's fresh. He's fresh every single day. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He wants to reveal himself to you. But if you come not expecting, then nothing's going to happen. It'll be the same, same, same as it was last year, the year before, and the year before that. And you'll be wondering, how come I'm not being saved, sent to this different city? How, how come I'm not going on shotgun tour? How, how, how come? Because you're not expecting it. You're not positioning yourself. It's all about position. We just watched the 49ers and the Raiders lose. Which is okay. It's all right. It's only a team. But what we saw on both sides, they weren't in position. They were throwing the ball, but they were out of position. Because if you're not in position, you're not going to catch the pass. You, God's throwing passes every day to you. He's throwing them every single day. He's tossing them, he's tossing them, but you're never in the spot. You've got to get in the spot. How are you going to do that? By getting the calls. 
You've got to keep your, your, your mind open, your heart open. You've got to hear his voice and get the calls. And once he gives you the call and the play, because you know the playbook, it's right here. And you begin to get in the playbook and you begin to find, okay, I need to be over here. Whap! Touchdown! I'm not supposed to be doing that, by the way. I'm playing next to it. No. I'll be a walk-on, amen. I'll be like one of those little guys that can't catch. But see, you've got to begin to expect. You've got to expect a better life. You've got to expect more from yourself. You've got to expect more from God. You have to. Expectation is the breeding ground for manifestation. Write that down. That's a good one. Expectation is the breeding ground for manifestation. Because if you don't expect it, there will never be manifestation. God wants to do something powerful in your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And he's been telling you for a long time. But you've got to believe to see. You don't believe, you won't see. Jesus told Mary and Martha, didn't I tell you if you believe, you would see the glory of God? That's what he said. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And it's talking for you too. Okay, number three. Elijah also had desperation. He had desperation. His life depended on God answering by fire. If fire didn't fall, Elijah would die. He would die. Because those 450, actually there was like 900 of them if you count them all. They would have died. He would have died. They would have took him out if fire didn't fall. Because remember, he was clowning them. Oh, why don't you yell a little louder? Why don't you go cut yourself a little more? <laughs> Maybe he's sleeping. Talking about Baal, right? Maybe he's sleeping. He can't hear you. Go louder. Go ahead. He's clowning them. Because he, he understood. Because of his expectation that God was going to move anyhow. But he was desperate knowing that he could lose his life. He could lose his life. Are you desperate today? See, we need to be desperate. The reason you and I need to be desperate is not for ourselves. But because lives are hanging in the balance. Just like lives were hanging in the balance with him. Because if fire didn't fall, then all of those people would have perished following a false prophet. All those false, false prophets and, and those false gods and all that stuff. But with us, it's the same thing. We've got to be desperate for souls. Because people, man, they're hanging in the balance. If we're not desperate to see people saved and set free, and they begin to disciple and pull them in the kingdom... What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to them? We have to understand, there's a lot on our plate. There's a lot on our plate. We've got to be desperate about this. We can't just act like it's a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. We're, at, we're nearing the end of the age. I don't know if you know that or not. Because if you look at the signs of the times, and everything's coming to pass that Jesus spoke about, we're, we're in that realm. Because this is the only generation in history where everybody could see his feet touch Mount, the Mount of Olives. Why? Because of satellite TV. Yeah. And the, the information age. We're there. We're there. 
No other time in history could that happen but now. And all these things are being done that the Bible talks about, that there would even go back to temple worship. Do you know they have all the utensils already made for the temple worship when they begin to do sacrifices again? It's already ready. There's just one thing waiting. For us to get raptured up, I know it's not the word in the Bible, but taken up for all you theologians. But we are going to be taken up. So there's going to be a final amen. Wouldn't it be nice or awesome if you were the one on the street corner leading some drug addict or some lady that's hurting on the street and and you lead him to Christ and it was the final amen and you go up with her (laughs) or him? Wouldn't that be awesome? What about if you're not doing that? That wouldn't be awesome if you're wavering between two opinions. That wouldn't be too awesome. See, it was desperation that stirs up passion. Because when you're desperate about something, you get passionate. You get really passionate. It was desperation that brought the woman with the issue of blood. Pastor just spoke about that. It was desperation. She was desperate. She was willing to do whatever it took just to touch the hem of his garment, knowing that everybody knew she was unclean, because she was. And there was nothing to stop the flow of blood, and everybody saw it. I mean, she was out there, man. And everybody knew also because the Jewish law, if anyone would touch her, they would be unclean. But she did it anyway because she was desperate. That's the kind of desperation we need to have. Desperation caused Naaman, the leper, to dip seven times in the Jordan River when he didn't want to do it. But he was so desperate because of the leprosy. Desperation brought Jairus, the synagogue ruler, to Jesus when his daughter died knowing that he would be excommunicated. And he was a leader. But he did it anyway because he got desperate. He got desperate. Is there any desperate people in here? When you get desperate, you don't care about what other people think about you. You don't care what they say about you. You don't care what they do. It doesn't matter because you got desperate. Man, you have a hurting child or something like that. You'll do anything for that kid. Man, I used to take my daughter around the Philippines. I would carry, for the first 12 years of her life, I carried her on my back all over the Philippines. Wherever I went, she was on my back. Why? Because I was desperate to find a healing for her. I was desperate for her. When you get desperate, you'll do whatever it takes to make something happen. Thank God now, today, 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 after eight surgeries, She went like this, with no walker, nothing, and she walked. She still had her brace on because she just had surgery, but she walked. She walked, and she's standing straight. She hasn't done that ever. That's my girl. I was desperate for that one. Amen. Amen? But when you get desperate, you don't care. You do whatever you got to do, man. You do whatever. I left the Philippines because I needed her healed. Little did I know there was other reasons for that as well. Because God knows what he's doing. Amen? So there's only one thing that matters. I got to get to Jesus. Got to get to Jesus. 
That's passion. That no matter what you do in your life, no ma- the only thing that matters, I got to get to Christ. And lastly, number four, Elijah had resignation. In other words, Elijah had already predetermined in his heart that he was going to go through with this challenge, even if he had to die on that mountain. It doesn't matter, I'm moving forward. It doesn't matter what happens to me, I got to do this because God called me to do it. It doesn't matter what people think, what they say. It doesn't matter if they take my life, I'm called to do this thing. I remember going to the streets of Manila when we first got there. Here I am, a tubby American. I just got out of the home, so I was tubby. I know. We'll just call it fluffy. I was a fluffy American. Not knowing the language, not knowing anything. And I would ask people, I go, Where, where's the roughest parts around here? Where's the drug addicts at? And they would look at me and go, well, by the railroad tracks. And I go, where's that? I didn't know where it was at. They go, oh, it's that way. You go straight that way, you'll find it. I start to walk. Oh, no, you can't go in there. They'll rob you. I go, I came to go in there. That's why I came. So I could go in there and tell the people about Jesus Christ. And we have a home, a place where they can go and get saved. And God could touch their lives. Then I would find some dolphin that wasn't even saved. But he spoke English. I say, come on, you're coming with me. You're my interpreter. (laughs) Didn't know if he was interpreting the right stuff or not. But it was cool because he got saved. The interpreter got saved. And it was one of those faces that I was telling you about. That's how God operates, man. See, some people just want to serve God when it's convenient, when it's easy. Am I going a long time or something? Because you guys are looking at me funny. But some people, man, they don't like sitting through long sermons. Or, or when you have to go do something. Or, or, or when it stretches a little bit. But see, it's when you stretch a little bit that God shows up. It's not when it's all comfortable. It's not when it's all easy. Anybody can do easy. I mean, you sit down, that's easy. But to get up and say, come on, let's go win some ladies to the home. Come on, let's go get them. We got all kinds of flyers. We got all kinds of flyers. And what I like about them, they're, they're two, two in one. Men's home, women's home. So we're going to be hitting it hard. Take a stack of those. There's some in the foyer. And go out and go win a soul, man. Go stretch yourself a little bit. Do something for God. Don't make it convenient. The same old thing. Quit watching those soap operas in the daytime. Go find a homeless lady. Bring her in the home. They still got soap operas? I don't even know, to tell you the truth. See, but sometimes when people don't understand, when things get hard, they quit. They give up. It's too hard. Oh, too much commitment, too much loyalty in this church. Ah! Let me go to some other church where it's easy. We're not an easy church. We're not called to be an easy church. I like what uh, Pastor Tim Argonzoni said about the home. We're not a soup kitchen. We're not a soup kitchen. We're going to make make some soldiers up in here. We're disciples here. We're disciples. We're not residents. We're we're disciples. 
We're raising up men of God, men that are going to lead. They're going to take the lead. They're going to go to a different city. There's guys here that want to go to the UTC, the MTC right now. Why? Because they know, they understand their place. See, God is looking for people that will make up their minds to be committed. You've got to make up your mind to be committed. It doesn't matter if your bills get paid. It doesn't matter if your kids are tore up. It doesn't matter if your body's failing. It doesn't matter if, if, if you don't even understand what God is doing. It doesn't matter because God knows what he's doing. Just step out. Step out. Be committed. Be committed to this thing. You got to be resigned to follow Jesus no matter what. See, Jesus made up his mind. I mean, Elijah, excuse me. He said, if I die, let me die serving the Lord. What's the alternative? Dying not serving the Lord? Pastor Steve, you always say you can't threaten me with heaven. Mm. There it is. There it is. If I'm going to die, let me die running the home. Let me die in the streets. Let me die doing something for God. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you're doing something for God. Amen? See, Elijah made up his mind. See, God's speaking to somebody today. It's time to get out of neutral. It's time to get in gear for God. God wants to do something in your life. You've been going back and forth. You've been hot and cold, on and off, in and out, up and down. Sometimes we don't even know who you are because you're different. One day you're like, oh, praise the Lord. Next day, oh, 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 oh. We don't even know who you are. It's not how are you. Who are you? See, it's time to come in and shut the door. Shut the door. You've got to get in your prayer closet and shut that door. Take this and leave it outside. Get in your closet. Get a hold of God. You know when God wakes you up at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning? It's not the pizza. It's God saying, tag, you're it. He's saying, tag, you're it. Get in your closet. I got something to say to you. I got a plan, a purpose. I want to reveal something to you. Tag, you're it. Close the door. It's time to burn those bridges. Get off the merry-go-round. It's time to sell out to God. Today's the day. You got to say, I'm climbing that mountain, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tear down every other altar, every other love, every other fake God, and I want the fire of God to consume me. You got to desire that. You got to expect it. When we do the altar call, man, you say, Fire, God, consume me. Consume me with your presence. I want to see. No more neutral, man. No more neutral. As I get ready to close, they put the wood in order. Elijah said, you know what, I got to put the wood. He put it in order. He put it in order around the altar. Are you with me? Let me clarify this before I move on. God loves you just the way you are. There's nothing you can do to have him love you any more than he loves you right now or when you were in the street. He loves you the same. He loves you the same. But God can't use you or even bless you until you bring your life into order. You've got to bring your life into order. 
You gotta stop living on your own thing, doing your own thing, in and out, up and down, whatever. You gotta bring your life into order. Order. Because he can't use you or bless you until you do. In other words, your life has got to line up with the Word of God. It's got to line up. They lay the sacrifice on the altar. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You want to worship? Then offer yourself to God. You know, he was using a temple term. I think I shared this before. It was a technical temple term. How they would take the offering to the high priest. They wouldn't do it like this. They would do it like this and drop it. In other words, you got to let your, let your life go. you got to let it go. Let God take over. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. That's offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Are you with me? Elijah rebuilt the altar. Prayer rebuilds our altars. You should have an altar every morning, every afternoon, every night. Make an altar. Come to the hour of power on Wednesday. Make an altar. Make an altar. Prayer is our umbilical cord. It connects us with our life source. That's who God is. He's our life source. If you don't breathe in the natural, what happens? You die. If you don't breathe in the supernatural, your spirit dies. They dug a trench around the altar. This speaks of work. Work. The deep, searching, penetrating work of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens at the altar. You allow God to come in and begin to make you deep and wide. Deep and wide. Because there's things in our heart that we're not giving up. But when we begin to get to the altar... And we ask God, search our hearts, O Lord, because I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to get a hold of you. I want to remove these things that are holding me back and holding me down. I want to know you better. Tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. See, there's a lot of people who want to spend just enough time at the altar to feel better. I'm going to go here so I can feel better. But they don't want to change. They don't spend enough time to change. We always rush through it. Oh, I got to get home. I got to do this. I got to do this. No. Spend time at the altar. Not just here, but I'm talking about your house. Spend time in the presence of Almighty God. Say, God, do something in my life. I need a change. I'm tired of the same old thing. You got to stay at the altar long enough for the Spirit to plow the ground of your heart ground of your heart because we all have hard callous places over our hearts over years of abuse years of abuse, pain emotional, physical, a lot of stuff we all have that we all have baggage but God said you know what I want to tenderize your spirit I want to tenderize your spirit so you can be sensitive to me again so you can be sensitive so so you can walk the way I want you to walk you can talk the way I want you to talk you can see what I see you can have my mind isn't that awesome in Hosea 10 12 I'm going to close with this sow for yourselves righteousness reap the fruit 
of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Do you want that type of passion? Do you want that type of power? Then you need to do these four things. You need to have a revelation. You have to have expectation. You have to have desperation and resignation. Are you ready to climb that mountain? Are you ready to get out of neutral? God wants to tag you here today. He wants to tag you. On every head bowed and every eye closed. Tag, you're it. You know, he had your name before you were created. Before he created the world. He knew he was going to tag you tonight. Are you going to respond to the tag of God? That's what you have to ask yourself. That's what I have to ask myself. I know I want to respond. I, I want to do what God called me to do. I'm not going to let my body fail me. I, I don't really care about myself anymore. I just want to please my Savior. Do I fall short? Yeah, I do. Let's be honest here. But I'm seeking, I'm seeking, I'm seeking. If that's you tonight, God wants to tag you. If God has spoken to you, I want you to slip up your hand. If God has spoken to you personally, God bless you, God bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you in the back. Anybody else, you say, this sermon's for me. This word was for me. I know God wants to tag me, and I want to get a hold of God. If that's you, it's my last call. Slip up your hand, slip up your hand. God bless you, God bless you. Let's all stand. I'm going to open this altar right now. God's trying to tag you. He wants to tag you. He wants to reveal himself. It's time to put our lives in order. It's time to answer the call. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I surrender.